Hey, this is Jerry Galloway. I'm the pastor of LHA Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this encourages your heart, strengthens your faith, and gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. How many of you love Jesus today? Could you say amen? Amen. Amen. It's great to see you today. It's great to be back in the house of the Lord with you today. If you have your Bibles with you, if you will take them out. Let's journey together today to the book of John. We're going to begin John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. This is uh, one of my, I have to say, one of my favorite scriptures. There are several that I enjoy, but this is one that brings such a truth out that uh, it is always an encouragement to my heart and to my life, and I want us to begin in this passage. We're going to start in John 1, and then we're going to head over to John chapter 8, and we're going to read together there in a few moments. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Father, today we just give you, Father, this time we give ourselves. Lord, we have such busy weeks and uh, so many things, Father, that distract us and are constantly pulling for our attention. Father, we have this time together in your presence. We have this time together with brothers and sisters. And Lord, we just give you this time. We pray, Father, today that you will speak to our hearts while we're here. Father, I ask you today that your word would become alive. We know your word is alive, but Lord, let it be alive in us today. Let the word, let the word bring life-giving power to each one of us, we pray. And Father, we'll give you all thanks in Jesus' name. And all the church said together, amen. Amen. This is a portion of Scripture many of you know. We know in John 1 and 1, the the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And as John begins to uh, describe and list the attributes and the characteristics of Jesus, we realize that he does so that you and I can come along beside him and we can come into a point of agreement with him and we can say that he is our Savior. Could you say he's your Savior? We can say he's our healer, he's our deliverer, he's our protector, he's our provider, he's our covering, he's the shield around us. The Bible says he's a strong and mighty tower the righteous can run into and they are safe. We know that he is our great I am. Can you say amen to that? Whatever we need, he is. And so as you and I come into agreement with him, John says as we see all of these things that he is, and as we see all of these attributes that help to describe him to us, John says there's two things you and I need to know and understand in the midst of it all. And we find those two things there at the end of verse number 14. And it describes it in this way, Jesus, full of grace and truth. 
Now, in the Gospels, we see Jesus in action. We see how he interacted with people. We can see the things he stood for, the things he stood against. We see how Jesus influenced people. It has been said, and rightfully so, that the Gospels are a type of biography, really, telling us about the life of Jesus on this earth, about his ministry, tells us his heart. We see him in action involved in the lives of people. Now, as the Gospels tell us about Christ, we find they do so in different ways. They come from different perspectives. John writes from his perspective on Jesus, and he highlights the characteristics of the love of God. He highlights the characteristics concerning Jesus, and it was John, through the Holy Spirit, who gave us the Scripture that most of us have known since childhood, John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John is painting for us a portrait of the love of Jesus. Now, John was known as John the Beloved. He was the one that was known for his love and his commitment to Jesus. So it's, it's no wonder that as we read his perspective on Christ, that he would highlight the love of God. So as we begin here in John chapter number 1, we find verse 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The same Jesus you see in the Gospels is the same Jesus that's with the Father at creation. He is God in the flesh. And God chose to send Jesus Christ to this earth to be the answer for your life and my life. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I hate to tell you this, but Christmas is not too far away from us. And I won't even bother to tell you the things that come along with Christmas like snow and all those other dirty words. But I will tell you this, when we come to Christmas time, one of the things that you're going to hear people say is the word Emmanuel. What does that mean? It means God with us. John begins in the 14th verse and he says this, Jesus full of grace and truth. Now to most of us, these two words don't go together. If the truth is spoken, we're accused of not having any grace. But if we speak grace alone, we're accused of having no truth. The natural mind sees grace and truth as opposites, but not in Christ. For in Jesus Christ, all the promises, they're all yes and amen. The words of grace and truth are usually not equated. In marriage, we see it acting out, husbands, when your wife uh, walks into the dressing room and she comes out and asks you the question, does this make me look fat? The smart man will speak grace. The not-so-smart man will spend the night on the couch. Grace and truth usually don't go together. It's a paradox. It's like beauty and the beast. 
When you and I take a moment and we reflect on the grace of God, how many of you today are thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Amen. If we consider the grace of God without calling it amazing, you and I probably have not experienced amazing grace. You see, Jesus took on sin's penalty at what you and I deserved. He took on our penalty so that we could take on heaven that we didn't deserve. No matter who you are today, my friend, his grace can touch your life. It can reach you no matter where you are today, no matter what circumstances have cropped up in your life, his grace is always sufficient for your life. Now we understand the miracle of grace, but on the other hand, we have truth. Truth is God's holiness. Truth is God's standard to the point that on your best day, your righteousness and my righteousness, the Bible said, is like filthy rags. The truth is the essence of the gospel. The truth tells us we have a holy God and we are sinful men in need of a Savior. He is a holy God. And friend, nothing will change that. His standard as a holy God is so high, you and I can never attain it. I want to ask you to do something this morning. Would you all stand with me? I know it's a little different in the middle of the sermon that you get involved this morning. You're going to give all. I'd like for everybody to take your right arm if you can and just raise it up as high as you can like this. Now, I want all of you to just reach up and touch the ceiling. Now, as I look across the room, some of you are closer to the ceiling than others. Some of y'all are vertically challenged. I understand that. The reality is there's not one of us in the room today that can attain it. It's way above. I am on the platform higher than you are, and yet there's no way I can touch it. You may sit down. The truth is when we began talking about God's holiness and we began talking about God's standard, we realized that Though some of us might do better than others on our very best day, not one of us can attain it. Understanding that truth, we find John's words again, but Jesus full of grace and truth. Now, we usually by belief or personality will fall predominantly on one or the other. Some are more grace Some are giving grace, some are giving mercy, some are uh, on the compassionate side and they say we need to give grace and yet there are others on the other side, we might call them the rules people. Everything is by the rules. But John says Jesus wasn't one or the other, Jesus was full of grace and truth. You see, truth, here's why it's important. Truth without grace crushes people. There's no hope of healing. There's no restoration. There's no mercy to extend. Mercy is an incredible word, folks. There's no hope. But at the same time, grace without the truth ceases to be grace. 
when we have grace without truth, it gives us a license to do whatever we want. But we find Christ is the fulfillment of both grace and truth. He's not 50% grace and 50% truth, but he's 100% grace and 100% truth. Now, with that foundation, join me. Let's go together to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read a story that really exemplifies this truth about grace And truth. John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. They all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Teachers of the, the, excuse me, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Some strong words here. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I want to highlight for a couple moments this story. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. You and I might relate it to a service just like this on a Sunday morning. We're gathered together and the time together and the preaching of the word has come and The Bible says, through the doors came the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, and they burst into the room, and they interrupt what Jesus is doing. One of them shouts out loud and gets everyone's attention, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Now, the law of Moses tells us she should be stoned, but Jesus, what is it that you say in regard to this woman? Now, when you and I picture this event, I don't know if you're like I am, but I always get a visual in my head of the storyline. When you picture, this would not have been a normal situation. This would not have been an easy situation. Uh, This would not have been comfortable. This would have been one of those situations that catches you off guard. This woman 
has been dragged out of the bed of adultery. She has a sheet wrapped around her and they drag her into the temple while Jesus is teaching. Imagine for a moment if you and I had been there, the sight we would have seen, the shock, the disbelief, the confusion. What's he going to do? How's Jesus going to answer this one? Would have been a very uncomfortable place. Not only for the people there. Imagine with me for a moment if you imagine what it, that day must have been for that woman. Oh. You want to talk about the word regret. Shame. Embarrassment. But friends, in the midst of all those things, I would submit to you today that in the middle of the crowds questioning and in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of being uncomfortable, there was one there that day was not uncomfortable. And that was Jesus. You see, Jesus is never shocked by our sin. In fact, he came to this earth this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus came to this earth to deal with our sin. He came to deal with our shame. He came to deal with our embarrassment. They brought this woman, the Bible says, who's caught in the act of adultery. And here they are trying to trap Jesus. Now, humanly speaking, this is a very difficult trap because the Pharisees in their argument, frankly, they are right. What they're saying is absolutely correct. The law of Moses was explicitly clear that the punishment for adultery was you were to be stoned. So the Pharisees' point that they're making to Jesus is, is correct. But isn't it amazing how we can be oh so right and oh so wrong at the very same time? They knew the rules. The problem is they didn't know the author of the rules. The Pharisees knew the letter of the law, but they had missed the spirit of the law. The problem in their argument was this. If Jesus said, don't stone her, they would accuse him on that day of trampling on the law of Moses, and they would have had every right to ask for his stoning. They would accuse him of not standing for the truth. The Pharisees had already heard Jesus say that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. On the other hand, if Jesus said, well, we do need to stone her, Jesus, who has always been known for his love, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, they would have accused him of not practicing what he was preaching. The message that day would not have been come to Jesus and find forgiveness. They would have heralded his come to Jesus and get punishment. There's a great challenge that you and I are up against in our culture and even within the church world today. It is the balance of grace and truth. And for Jesus, this looks to be an impossible situation as well, as it does you and I. Today, you and I are confronted with a, uh, a mindset in our culture and a mindset even within the church walls that somehow we've lost balance of grace and truth. 
And in the world we live in today, it is acceptable to speak grace, but if you speak truth, you are labeled as judgmental. So as difficult as it is for you and I today, it was difficult that day for Jesus. It's an impossible situation in the natural mind. But can I remind you today the truth of the word of God? It says with him, all things are possible and nothing is impossible with God. They thought, big word there, they thought they would trap Jesus with the word. But what they didn't realize, we just read it in verse 1, he is the word. You can't catch the word with the word. He's the author of the word. He's not just the one who originated it. He's the essence of the word. He fulfills the word. He's the life of the word. He's the breath of the word. He's the living force behind the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. They thought, well, we'll use the word against him. You can't use yourself against yourself. Won't work. So the Pharisees looked at him and said, what do you say? Jesus had this incredible ability. He could see right through people. He could see all the way to their heart. He could see their motive. He saw that day their hatred. He saw their lack of compassion. He saw the teachers of the law and the Pharisees' arrogance and their pride. And he looked also at a woman who was embarrassed and humiliated and broken and most likely in tears and trembling as she had been brought before the people. The Bible, Jesus always, he never does anything the way you think he's going to do it. This is one of those times. The Bible says Jesus didn't speak a word. He just turned his back on the leaders and he stooped down and began to write in the dirt. The Bible says they kept questioning him and thought, well, maybe he didn't. What, what in the world is he doing? There's sometimes you and I have the same response, don't we? We say something to him and he doesn't respond the way we think. What is he doing? He owes me an explanation. You ever felt like that? Be honest, we're in church. Can't lie here. <laughs> I've asked him, he owes me an answer. The Bible says they kept pressing him. They kept addressing him. What do you say, Jesus? What do you say, Jesus? What do you say, Jesus? And he's just so calm, cool, and collected. He just continues to write. Now, for years, we have hypothesized what he was writing. Truth is, the Bible doesn't tell us. There are many people who said he was writing, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. Others have hypothesized that actually he was listing the names of the men that were standing there and the sins they had committed. But the truth is all we can do is hypothesize on what Jesus has done that day. But the truth of the matter is what he wrote is not as important as how he responded that day. This woman was caught by the law. 
She was caught, the Bible says, it wasn't even hearsay. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. She was caught in the midst of her sin. And Jesus' response to the law that day was to reach down on the ground and and touch the dirt. And, And as he touched the dirt, he then turned around and rose up and responded to the law. When the law caught this woman guilty in the act of her sin, the response of the Savior was not to speak a word, but he acted. He came, he touched the ground, and then he raised himself up, and he responded. Oh, I love this part. He responded to the accusations of the law. Friend, that's a picture of the gospel. When you and I were stuck in our sin, we were bound, we were shamed. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth and he touched the dirt of our humanity. And then he raised himself up on a cross and he did so on the cross and he responded on the cross of Calvary to the accusations that were against me and against you. You and I, you and I, we're that woman. When the woman was caught in the act, Jesus stooped down, touched the dirt. He touched the dirty places of our lives. He touched the dirt we were made of. He raised himself up and he began to speak to the words that were against us. The words that said guilty, he said pardoned. The words that said lost, he said found. The words that said unlovable, he said I love them with an everlasting love. The words of the law said death, he said life. The words of the law said no hope. He said all hope is found today. You and I are that woman. We too were caught in the act of our sin. And if the law had had its way, You and I would have been stoned and killed, but thank God for Jesus who came down and he touched us and raised himself up on the cross to respond to our sin. You see, he responded that day to the Pharisees. He said these words, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. The Bible tells us in response to what Jesus said that day, they began one by one looking at their own lives. They began to realize they weren't much different than the woman on the ground. One by one you heard sounds as the rocks began to fall to the ground that day. When he said to them, you that's without sin, cast the first stone, we have to ask the question, was he ignoring her sin? The rules people will say, he's ignoring the law. Was he just approaching the situation by saying, it's only grace? 
I would remind you of the words in John 1 and 14. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Now, you see, to stone someone was a serious thing. If, if someone was to be stoned in the Old Testament times, they, it required that you had two people, two witnesses that actually saw them in the very act. Then the two witnesses had to come and bring the man and the woman. Notice what I said there. It had to be both. The man and the woman when Jesus asked the question, really what he was asking them is if you're so concerned about keeping the law, where is the man? It has been considered the reason that they could not respond was because it was one of them that were in the act with the woman. Jesus was saying to them that day, you're looking at the filthiness of her flesh, but what about the filthiness of your heart? The Bible says when he asked the question, they one by one began to leave until none were left. The one without sin was to cast the first stone. Then he began to speak to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. I have none. Will you, Jesus, condemn me? Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. You will notice in that statement, Jesus covers grace and truth. He said, in grace, neither do I condemn you. But he said, in truth, go and leave your life of sin. Jesus didn't negate, it's important we understand this, Jesus did not negate the fact that she was supposed to be stoned because the law is the law. The challenge in our day is we want to lower the truth so that we can have grace. Jesus was not saying she was not supposed to be stoned in accordance to the law. What Jesus was saying was the men standing there were not qualified to do the stoning. You see, we can't change the law. We can't change the standard. We need in this hour to high, hold high the standard of God. We need to stand true to the word of God. We need not to err from the truth of the word. We need to not shift our position or compromise the standard of God. For his word is still the word no matter what the popular trend, no matter what people may say. Friends, where there is no truth, there can be no grace. The reality is, if it weren't for truth, we'd never know that we needed grace. Even though the world around us is changing, my friend, he is still God and he has not changed. He is still God and his standards are still the same. Don't give in to wise and persuasive arguments of men. Do not allow compassion in your heart to change your stand on the word of God. The Pharisees... In essence, we're saying to Jesus that day, somebody has got to pay for her sin. When in reality, what Jesus was saying was somebody is going to pay for her sin, but it's not going to be her. 
Somebody is going to bear the shame. Somebody's going to bear the embarrassment. Somebody's going to deal with the regret. Somebody's going to carry this heavy weight of wrong choices, bad days, wrong influences, but it's not going to be her. He said, I'm going to carry it for her. I'm going to be the one to take the stoning. I'm going to be the one to carry everything on my shoulders, and she will get to go free. That's the essence, my friend. That's the essence of the gospel. It's on the cross that Jesus Christ satisfied both grace and truth. Friend, in the day you and I live in, we need to be people of grace and truth. People who would say, I'm not going to be condemning, but I'm also not going to compromise just like Jesus. Instead of holding rocks in judgment, our lives should be characterized rather by stooping down to the dirt of humanity, reaching out to someone, realizing they're not much different than you and me. Friend, do not forget, without grace... There's no grace without truth. You can't have unmerited favor without truth. Truth says we have all sinned and we all need a Savior. If you and I take out that truth, we have robbed grace. If we take out the truth, grace will cease to be amazing. If we take out the truth, grace will become common. If we take out the truth, grace will simply be a change of mind. If we take out truth, grace will simply be, I can change my behavior and everything will be okay. But the truth tells us we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. The truth tells us that it is by grace we have been saved. Through faith in that none of ourselves, it is the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The truth tells us there's coming a day of judgment, a day when all men are going to stand great and small before him and the books will be opened. It's going to be a fearful day, the Bible says. That's the truth. But grace says you can be redeemed. Grace says your names can be written out of the Lamb's book of life. The truth is, John, excuse me, Revelation 20 and 15, whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where they'll be tormented forever and ever and ever. That is the truth. Grace says if we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friend, I want to ask you today, do you need his grace? We know the truth. We've heard the truth. We've believed the truth. I want to ask you today, do you need his grace? You may say, Pastor, I... I, uh, I know the Lord. I've walked with the Lord for a long time. Listen, friend, that doesn't mean there's not some times in our life we don't need grace. 
I want to ask you today, do you need his grace in your life? Would you, would you bow your heads all across this room? My Father, today I call upon you, and I do so, Lord, with humility and humbleness of heart. Lord, I call upon you today and I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you will come and and be right here in this moment and be with us in this time. And Lord, I ask you right now that, Father, uh, I ask you that you will that you'll be up and down every aisle and you'll be between every row and you'll be by every seat and even closer, God, you'll be right with every heart in this room today. I ask you, Lord, in a special way. That you would just speak to our hearts. Oh God, this is a day of hope. Oh Jesus, this is a day of great hope. Lord, I pray for those today who are struggling in their life. They've come to church, and Lord, often when we come to church, we put on our our best front, and and we want to make everybody think that everything's okay and that we're doing great and everything's wonderful in our lives. But, Father, there's some days we come together and we just need grace. The weeks have not been what we planned them to be. The events have not been what we thought they would be. Our responses to life Our responses to situations have not been what we set out for them to be. And we just simply need to fall in the lap of grace and find mercy and forgiveness and cleansing in our lives. Father, it doesn't matter today if we need tremendous amounts of grace or if we need a little bit less grace your grace is all the same so Lord right now our hearts are on you our expectation and our anticipation is on you and I ask you Father now in the next few moments God, I pray today the miracle of grace would work in this place. I pray the miracle of grace. I pray grace in this moment. God, it will be utterly amazing in our lives. And so we're calling on you, the Lord of grace, in this place right now. In Jesus' name. Friends, would you just keep your heads bowed for a few moments and just kind of in an attitude of, of prayer, I'd like to talk to you for a couple of moments about grace. I'd like to talk to you for a couple of moments about mercy. I'd like to talk to you for a couple of moments about the miracle of His forgiveness. I'm not asking about how much. I'm not asking about how great or how little the need. I'm just asking today, friend, do you need to experience His grace in some shape or form today? You say, I just need to experience His grace. Friend, if that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Say, remember me in prayer. I just need to experience His grace today. Yes, yes, yes. Hands all across this room this morning. Yes. 
Yes, friend, you can put your hand down after you've lifted it. How many others you might join these that have already raised a hand and say, I just need grace today. I just need grace. Yes. 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 How many others? I just need to experience His grace today. Oh, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Friend, I want to tell you before we pray, His grace is abundant. His grace is free. His grace is without effort and work on your part. (laughs) The good news is you don't have to do anything to earn it. His grace is free for all who ask. Right where you're at, as your heads are bowed, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me right now. Friend, if you need that grace, just pray this prayer from your heart. It's not about repeating my words. It's about your heart to the Father. All across this building, everyone, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today, and I need the miracle of grace. You know my life, and you know everything about me. You know my strengths, and you know my weaknesses. And I call upon you today, and I confess that I need the miracle of your grace. Would you come and overwhelm me right now with your grace? Would you take my shame? Would you take my embarrassments? Would you take my regrets and cast them under the sea of grace and mercy? I believe your grace is sufficient for me. I believe if I confess you forgive. I believe if I call on you, you will hear me. And you hear me today. Bring the miracle of grace. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for each person today. Each person that's prayed that prayer from their heart. God, you are listening today. You are listening today. You're listening for every heart. You're listening for every life. (laughs) God, you know what's brought that prayer today in our lives individually. God, I pray today... Grace will be more than sufficient for every heart and every life. Father, in the name of Jesus, strengthen their hearts. And I pray, Father, you would strengthen their resolve to live in the miracle of grace. And I ask it all in Jesus' name.
amen. Friends, would you stand with me together? As that passage of Scripture came to a close, Jesus looked at the woman and he said, where, where are your accusers? Where have they gone? She said, I have none. There's nobody left here. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, leave this place, but also leave your life of sin. Really what Jesus was instructing her that day, receive grace and live in grace. I don't know about you, but if you've ever received in my life, there's been a few times I've received some gifts that were of incredible value. Gifts that frankly baffled your mind <laughs> that you could have something that precious. Friend, I encourage you today, there's nothing you can have more precious than the grace of God. Amen. It wasn't cheap. It came to you when Jesus gave his life for you. So I want to encourage you today as you and I have received grace. Now I encourage you to begin to live your life by that grace and in light of that grace. You know, when, when I receive something of that incredible value, I don't want to just set it down anywhere. My wife, it's, it's so funny, my wife likes purses. And uh, if we go someplace and she needs me to hold a purse for a minute after a few minutes, a lot of times I'll just set it down. She looked at me and she's like, don't sit down on the floor. That's my last purse. Don't put that on the floor. What's wrong with you? And, you know, we do that with a lot of things in life that are temporary. Friend, I want to encourage you. The grace that's been applied to your life, don't let it be something light. Honor grace by how you live your life now. Now that you've received it, live in that grace. Dear Father, I'm so thankful today for your grace. Thank you for the precious gift of your grace and forgiveness and mercy. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, Father, touch each person in this room. Encourage their hearts with grace. And Father, I just want to pray right now for those who've walked in this room today and they've been going through some rough times. I pray today for Brenda who's lost a dear loved one. And I pray for Terry who's lost a dear loved one. Father, I ask you to comfort their hearts today. I pray, Father, for those, God, who need a touch in their physical bodies. Lord, we believe you're the healer of our bodies. And we're asking you to heal their bodies today. Lord, I pray for those today who are dealing with discouragements and difficulties and pressures of life. Lord, you said you'd be a very present help in the times that were difficult. I pray you'll be right with them today. God, I pray today you'll be with Tom and his family as they walk with their mom as she goes through surgery this week. I pray you'll be with Jerry Wood. God, he's going to walk through surgery this week. And so many in this body, 
Lord, that are walking through difficult places. Lord, just be with them, I, I pray. A very present help. And we trust you for it. We believe you for it. And that fact encourages our hearts. Father, I pray the joy of the Lord will always be our strength. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. To you be all the glory, the honor, forever and ever. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you today. May his grace always be sufficient for you. And may you always know the strength that is your joy. God bless you. Have a great day today in Jesus. God bless.